0: there, working homeschool moms. This is Charlotte from Charlotte Jones 24 seven and my little homeschool. And this is episode number 88 of the Striker Balance podcast for working homeschool moms. Today, I speak to Lauren Curherly, who is an award-winning educator and also the creator of Altering Course, which is a program that empowers parents to prepare their kids for college and beyond. It was such a fantastic episode because I love the way that Lauren looks at preparing kids for college in a very holistic way as somebody who was homeschooled, who has worked in college readiness and who is now a college professor. She has a lot of experience. She knows what's really, really important. And like I said, it's a very much a holistic way of preparing your kid for college, not just worrying about the essay or exam prep, but about making sure that they are going to thrive during their college experience. It's a really, really fantastic episode. And if you are thinking about sending your kids to college as a working homeschool mom, then this is definitely the episode for you. But before we get to the episode, I'd be ever so grateful if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It just means that more Working Homeschool Moms can find it, and in that way, we can build this beautiful, supportive community together. Thank you so much, and enjoy the episode. Hi there, and welcome to the Striker Balance Podcast for Working Homeschool Moms. This is Charlotte Jones, I'm your host, and I am a podcaster, a speaker, a writer, and a homeschooling coach specifically for working homeschool moms. I've been homeschooling my neurodivergent twin boys since 2017 and I've been a working homeschool mom since 2017 so I know it can feel really overwhelming to keep all the balls in the air all the time. So each week I chat about tips and strategies for being a happy and thriving working homeschool mom. I cover things like time management, homeschooling, mindset and lots of other juicy topics like that. I also speak to awesome and inspiring women who manage to juggle homeschooling and work successfully and find out what their secrets are. And I also welcome experts who can help you on your working homeschool mom journey. I have lots of ways to support you, so be sure to check them out in the show notes. You can download my time audit as your first step to managing your time better. I have a Facebook group for working homeschool moms that you can join as well. And be sure to sign up to my newsletter for weekly updates. And if you need additional support, you can join the WHM Collective, which is a supportive community of working homeschool moms, where we delve deeper into topics that are going to help you thrive as a working homeschool mom, or if you need one-to-one support, be sure to book in a session with me. I'm so excited for you to be here, and I know you'll get so much value out of this episode. So let's get started. Working homeschool mom, I know how overwhelming it can be to choose a math curriculum for your homeschool. That's why I'd like to tell you about the online math curriculum we've been using for years, ctcmath.com. As far as math curriculums go, it has loads of great features that solve lots of the math issues we've had, and I know a lot of homeschooling families have. Here are just a few of the many features that we really like. Questions are adaptive, which means the interactive questions change in difficulty depending on the student's ability. The program uses a smart algorithm that tracks the student's progress and delivers questions based on their exact needs. The student doesn't even know this is happening, helping them to build confidence and master math concepts. Concepts are delivered through video tutorials and summaries, which are clear, complete and easy to follow. It's like having your very own teacher. This ensures your children understand something before they're asked to practice it. And then for us parents, CTC Math has extensive reports which are so valuable in monitoring your child's progress and spotting any gaps. And they offer a 12-month money-back guarantee if this curriculum is not for you and your family. CTC will provide a full refund, no questions asked. But I think the most important thing is a whole lot less stress when it's math time for both parents and kids. You get to outsource math with confidence and your kids get a fantastic tailor-made program that makes learning and mastering math enjoyable and positive. Visit CTC Math today to start your free trial. CTC Math is also offering you, listener, an amazing special. When you go to ctcmath.com forward slash MLH, you can get a half price discount plus a bonus six months for free. That's C-T-C-M-A-T-H dot C-O-M forward slash MLH. I'm very excited to welcome Lauren Kerr Hurley, who is an award-winning educator and author And who has dedicated her career to empowering students and their parents to transform their lives through education she was homeschooled all the way through high school so you bet i'm going to be asking her about that (laughs) as i always do and which allowed her to develop a deep appreciation for self-directed learning and a passion for helping others to take control of their education lauren has worked in college readiness in american high schools taught history in international and british schools in england and is currently a professor in an American community college. She developed a program, Altering Course, to empower parents to prepare their kids for college and beyond. Welcome to the podcast, Lauren. It's great to chat to you today. Thanks for having me. So in the episode, we're going to be talking specifically about how homeschooling families can prepare for college which I know is a big topic. It's definitely a big topic in South Africa as well. But before we dive into the topic, like I said, I would love to know about your homeschooling experiences. I always find it so interesting to find out what it was like to be homeschooled. And do you think that your kind of experience of being homeschooled has also affected your approach to education?
1: Sure. Well, back in the 80s, In my small Wyoming town, we were one of two homeschooling families in the whole town. So my parents were kind of pioneers. I loved being homeschooled. My sister and I are two years apart. And so we also moved around a lot. Uh, We moved from Wyoming to Texas to California, back to Texas. So it was kind of made those transitions a little bit easier. But I mean, we really enjoyed it. We did a lot of co-ops. We I were members at every museum. We would take off for weeks at a time in our camper trailer and do school in national parks and state parks. And so I really did enjoy it. And it also helped me have an appreciation for self-directed learning. So when it comes to how I educate, you know, I've been a community college professor for five years now. I teach history and I, I help In the Innovation Center as well. So my experience being homeschooled was kind of instrumental in how I approach my teaching because I want the students to be interest-led. That's easy to do in history because there's so much to be interested in. (laughs) But I also want them to be able to to think for themselves. And the way that I present information is in such a way that uh, allows them to have a lot of inquiry and explore for themselves as well.
0: Have you spoken to your mum about homeschooling during that time? Because obviously homeschooling now I think is very different to maybe, or it's changed a lot definitely in the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So what was her experience of homeschooling when maybe there, there were only a few of you and also maybe there weren't as many resources as we have access to now?
1: Yeah, I have talked to her a lot about that because, you know, it was a big decision at the time to homeschool and they – I think there was one convention you know that you could go to and there was no internet things like that so she subscribed to different homeschool like magazines and catalogs and that's about how we got our information so a lot of it she kind of made up as she went along particularly when we were in Wyoming it was a little easier when we moved to a slightly bigger town in Texas Um, there were more co-ops and things like that but yeah, she said, you know, it was, it was kind of something a lot of people didn't understand, not that they looked down on it, but it was just kind of foreign concept, you know, for, for like two families in the whole town that did it. So yeah, she just talks about sort of forging ahead and um, she's a very organized person. Um, and so we had very like sort of structured days with a lot of flexibility, but, you know, we started at the same time and we did certain subjects at a certain time, things like that. Um, so, but a lot, yeah, she just made it up as she went along. <laughs>
0: I think that's amazing, yeah. Because, like I said, now we have so much, though, don't we? Actually, maybe Mm -hmm. now we have too much. Because I think when you homeschool now, you can be a bit overwhelmed by all the choice you have. (laughs) There's so much, yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So in South Africa, I'm not sure if it's the same in the US. I have a feeling maybe that it is that that there is sometimes a worry that homeschool kids will not be ready for university or college. So is that something that is true in the US as well?
1: Yes, I'm with the caveat to say that I think all parents are concerned that their kids won't be ready for university. But with homeschooling, you know, one of the things that my mom said when I was developing my program to help homeschool families prep for college, she said, I really wish we had had something like this because we just sort of sent you to college and hope for the best. <laughs> you know, there wasn't a specific plan. So, one thing that I hear from homeschool parents a lot is that they, they think they've taught them really well, you know, to be self-directed, to have inquiry, to uh, love learning, et cetera. But the the college environment is so drastically different than what they've experienced before that they're kind of concerned about how they'll go from being one, maybe four kids in the classroom to, possibly three hundred, you know, it's a, it's a culture shock. So that is one thing that I talk about in my program is how to sort of deal with that environment. But th- there's also a concern I think that and, and when I start to hear parents get really concerned about this is around junior year because they think, well I've done this like I've sacrificed so much to homeschool my kids and up until this point. And then now I'm wondering, did I do the wrong thing? That's a sort of a common fear that like maybe we should have gone a different route. Um so when they get to that sort of junior year and they are doing the college applications and they're applying for scholarships and they're thinking about the right school, that's when more of the sort of fear starts to set in, if that makes sense.
0: Mm, absolutely. Yes. Yes. I've, I've heard a lot of people actually speak about that when things start getting serious, like uh-huh. they say, even <laughs> now even <we have> <laughs> now we have to be serious about everything. <laughs> The WHM Collective is a monthly membership on Patreon that was created with you in mind, Working Homeschool Mom. If you're just starting out on your journey, or if you're finding it difficult to find your groove, then the WHM Collective is definitely the membership for you. Each month, we delve into topics that are going to help you thrive as a Working Homeschool Mom, such as homeschooling, schedules, time management, and lots of other juicy topics. I know how busy life is for you, working homeschool mom, and I know how complicated life is too. So that's why this membership is super simple. Each month there's one live workshop, one ebook, and one session of office hours where you can have your questions answered in real time. In addition, you'll get one free coaching session per membership and an added bonus of having access to all past content, which you can work through in your own time. So if you're feeling like you need some additional support as a working homeschool mom, then I really hope that you will consider joining the WHM Collective because I know that it will help you so much to find clarity and to move forward in your working homeschool mom life. What are the kind of skills that maybe parents should be concentrating on or that can be useful for for their kids to be learning in high school to actually be successful in higher education in your experience.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I like to say is that college preparation is a set of skills. I used to teach standardized test prep. I did that for an entire year. Um, I worked in college counseling departments where I help students with their applications for colleges, but I've stepped away from that because I'm, I've sort of seen this from all sides, right? Like I was a homeschooler. I went all the way through graduate school, I have a PhD, I've taught high school, and now I teach college. So I've seen sort of all sides of this. And one of the reasons I stepped away from standardized test prep and things like that is because I I felt like there were some critical skills lacking. And it's easier and less overwhelming to sort of distill everything you need to know into sort of a set of skills. And if you accept the fact that these are things that can be learned, that can be grown, then it's easier to get going rather than to say, oh no, it's junior year. Did I mess everything up? So I've kind of, I've got my four S's of college prep is what I call them. And the first one's scholastic. And so that's, of course, your reading, writing, arithmetic, but the basic or the main skill that you need within those scholastic skills is critical thinking. Some students... Um, and I have a lot of homeschool students in my classes, you know, that they're graduates or they're dual credit students, and some students come in and they know how to read really well, they know how to write really well, but that level of critical thinking is something that can be built upon. So for example, if you're reading something, you have to know how to analyze it. Don't just tell me what it said, tell me what it means. Cross-reference it to other resources. And this is not about all students struggle with this it's not just about what you're passionate about or what your opinion is but where can you critically analyze things that you read things that you discuss and um, you know like i said dive into other perspectives and the thing about critical thinking is that it does require vulnerability um, because if you are looking at things from new perspectives if you are being introduced to new concepts Um, That doesn't even have to be a different philosophy, but it could be a new math concept. Like that's vulnerable to open yourself up to learning something new. Speaking from my own experience of having to take Saxon algebra two twice (laughs) in high school, school. homeschool, there's a level of vulnerability that comes with opening yourself up to that critical thinking. So that's scholastic skills. And then also study skills is another big one. I actually developed a whole time management course. That is something I'm really excited about because everyone thinks they're bad at time management. (laughs) So what I encourage parents to do is, and I'll talk about tracking in a second, but just to think about what positive things are their kids doing already? Where are they good at organization? Where are they good at time management? And it might be that they are very organized when it comes to doing something that they want (laughs) that has nothing to do with school. And that's fine. You can build on that. But having the self-awareness about your study skills and are you organized and do you know how to read and note take well will help you grow and build on those. So it's a set of strategies that can be learned and everyone has something already. It's just a matter of making them better. Our third S is going to be social skills. So that's communication is what it boils down to. Um, this is a big fear that homeschooling families have is that their kids aren't going to fit in that, um, you know, and, and I think some of this is internalized because homeschooling families here, well, you know, our kids aren't, or your kids aren't socialized. And like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. But I mean, I know from my own experience and we know from our various experiences that kids in homeschool most of the time are very socialized. They're just experiencing it in a different way. But every kid is going to struggle with the new social environment of college. And when it comes to communication, you have to be able to talk to your professors. You have to be able to interact respectfully within the classroom. You have to be able to have relationships with your classmates and the new people that you're meeting and the new jobs that you're going to have, et cetera. And this is different because it's even if you are, let's say, you know, cause I, like I said, have several dual credit students, which means that they're taking high school and college credit at the same time. Some of them are living at home. Some of them are 16, but this is still different. I actually started college when I was 15. So I still lived at home. I went to community college. I had a great time, but the, social environment was very different, even though I was sort of mostly going to class and clubs and coming home. So one thing I encourage people to do is start to observe the relationship skills that their kids have. Um, How are they interacting in the home? How are they interacting with people outside the home? How do they fare in new social settings? And that can be as simple as you've taken them to a new restaurant. (laughs) And how do they, uh, you know, react and interact? So those social skills are important because it also, you have to be able to ask for help. I tell my students that the biggest mistake they can make is waiting too late to ask for help. And I get a deluge of emails on the last week of class that says, what can I do to make my grade better? And I said, well, we you could have, like, grades matter day one. Um, but it's also about their, you know, their their skills and being able to learn in the course, of course. So you need to ask your professors for help. You possibly need to ask your parents for help. Can you ask your roommate for help to study, et cetera. So there's that vulnerability again, right? (laughs) And then the last one is what I call sensibility. And that's emotional awareness, emotional intelligence, having empathy, and being able to know. It could be as basic as I'm really tired right now. And the two hours of studying that I've done are not going to amount to anything unless I take a break and go to bed. That's awareness. But it's also having empathy for the people around you when you're put in new social situations, because that helps you to interact better and it benefits everyone. So as far as sort of tracking these skills, what I suggest is make, uh, and people can grab this I have an infographic of these four skills on my website. Um, But what I suggest is parents make a column, one for scholastic skills, one for study skills, one for social skills, one for sensibility, and just start thinking, notating down for a week when they did these things well. So maybe you noticed that they read a book and they wanted to tell you about it and told you what they thought. That's a scholastic skill that shows critical thinking. Maybe you noticed that they were ready to go right on time when it was time to meet their friends. <laughs> That's good time management. Notate that down, right? Maybe they showed empathy to a sibling. Note that down under social skills. And then sensibility, when were they really aware of themselves or of the of a situation that they were in? And then maybe after a couple of weeks of doing the positive, you can start to notate down areas that they need to grow in and don't do them all at once because sometimes parents are like, well, now we got a list. Uh, Here's 12 things that, and we're going to dive in right now, right? (laughs) Maybe start with a couple at Mm -hmm. a time, but have those conversations with your kids because it's also nice to hear from them what they think they're doing well, because I I had a student contact me this week and he said, I I can't do any of this work. It's all snowballing. I waited to the last minute. I procrastinated just this sort of negative self-spiral And I said, wait a second, hold on. (laughs) Like, you, I'm just going to point out that you did all of the work the first two weeks. So you know that you can do this. And he actually went and dug up a paper he had read, uh, written for another class. And he said, I reminded myself that I have written a paper this long and I can do it. Now we just need to get out of this sort of (laughs) negative spiral. But it did take that conversation for them to realize that they you know, could move forward. Hmm. That's my long-winded way to say, here's some skills (laughs) that are useful for your kids for college prep.
0: But I think when you put it down like that, it just, it sounds manageable as well. I think it really does sound like it's something that you right. can work through. And I love the, the idea of also involving your kids as well, because the, their awareness of how they study and what they do well and, and their areas of development, I think it's, it's such an important skill. Yes. And also these skills sound like they're going to be amazing for like a normal human being as well, right? I mean, you need all these skills just to be in the world. <laughs> totally. Yeah, well, and that's and that's really what
1: education is about, right? It is about the you know I'm a book nerd. I, I love all the just learning new things. We're a big trivia family, and but really what we're talking about is interaction, and we're talking about learning about other people, learning about yourself, so that you can be a successful human. Because a lot of I would say one mistake parents do tend to make is focusing so much on getting their kid into college and getting them to the quote unquote right school or best school that they kind of then realize, oh wait, there's a whole four plus years after this (laughs) of school. Um, And if they don't have the resilience skills and they don't have this emotional awareness and they don't have this acceptance of vulnerability, they are not going to make it. And you want them to thrive. You want them to finish college and you want them to be happy and successful.
0: Exactly. And that's actually such a good point as well, because I mean, I know I dropped out of my first year of university only to go back like 10 years later because I got in. But then when I was there, I was just like, oh, I was such a mess. <laughs> I think it's so important, the rest of that. Right. Yeah, well, it's
1: it's a very overwhelming experience. Absolutely. And if you're not emotionally prepared for it, then it, then it can be difficult. And sometimes students just aren't ready. You know, it's okay to take a gap year. Hmm. I lived in England for a long time and half the people I knew took a gap year. I wish it was something that was a little bit more accepted in America. But the point is, you should go to college when you're ready and you think you can sort of stick with it and choose choose a school that is the right fit for you, not the right fit for someone else.
0: Mm, exactly. So how would you think can students be encouraged, let's say, to pursue their interests while also still securing a degree while they're in college? How can they kind of keep the, the passions and the things that, that bring them joy alive at the same time?
1: Right. Great question. Well, one thing I'll say first is that sometimes they just have to do things they don't want to (laughs) do. You know, I did have to take a math class in college and I hated it, but I did it (laughs) because it got me to the degree. So sometimes you have to think to achieve my passion and to achieve my desired degree, I have to do this class that I don't like, or I have to take this professor that's no good or whatever. That being said, In my history classes, I sort of mentioned before that I encourage students to pursue their interests. So if we do anything that's research-based, then I find out what their major is. I have a lot of engineering majors, for example. And I said, well, great, there's a really fantastic history of STEM. So let's go in that direction. I do a food research project and students start to learn about the food history of their own families. And then they can kind of bring in their culture to those projects and learn more about that. So you're not always going to have a professor that is like that, or maybe you're in you know a science class and there's not as much room for creativity. But thinking about how you can achieve what you want by still being interested in it takes a lot of self-direction, right? So I'll give the example of my dad. I was thinking about majoring in dance. I did ballet my whole growing up years. I love dance. And he said, you know, dance is not something you can easily make a living off of. It's, you know, I could have been a starving artist, right? But rather than saying, no, you're not going to be able to eat, don't do that. He said, that's that's fine. We'll help you get a degree in dance if you also get a minor in teaching or business. So we didn't crush the dream, but he did say, let's think practically about you want to be able to, to support yourself and here's a possible way to do that. Ultimately, I ended up deciding that I didn't want to sort of monetize my hobby. (laughs) Um, So I still dance, but just for fun. Um, So sometimes it's having those conversations with yourself, like, because I do have students who really love graphic design or whatever it is, but when I sit down to talk to them about it, they, they really like doing it as a hobby, and turning it into a job might actually kill the joy. So that is something to sort of keep in mind. And then also pursuing new things. The most popular club at my college is the anime club. And some students don't know anything about anime when they join that, but they get good friends and they they learn about something fun and new. So sometimes it's opening yourself up to these new experiences that will help you get into something fun and new. And having people in your life that make things fun, I'm always encouraging my students to get together and study together because maybe the studying isn't fun, but being with other people is fun and having snacks or meeting in a coffee shop or whatever it is, that part of it is fun. So how can you bring some joy into things that aren't as fun? And maybe I talk about this in my course, but like what kind of little rewards can you offer for yourself? Like I studied for this subject that I hate for an hour. Now I'm going to reward myself with a walk or you know, something that I love to sort of break it up.
0: Hmm. I love the idea. And that's something that I've kind of heard more and more recently is kind of just having a hobby for the sake of having a hobby as well, because it's so weird that we always want to yes. change everything into something productive, <laughs> where sometimes it's nice to yes. do something because it's nice to do it, I think. Yeah.
1: And it's great for mental health too, because that's, that's one of the biggest issues that we run into with our students in college is that they'll get themselves completely overwhelmed and they're still trying to have care responsibilities and they're still trying to manage their work and then they're just trying to do it all and there's not enough hours in the day and they don't take any time for themselves. Uh, they think if they take a break and do something fun that it's going to derail their productivity, but actually it's the opposite, right? Like we we have to reward ourselves, but also just like for the sake of doing it, we need to be able to, to do these fun things, to let our brains rest. And that helps our productivity in the long run. And it helps our purpose. It helps our why. Mm,
0: absolutely. And once again, a very, very valuable lesson and definitely my audience, because as working homeschool moms, we often juggle many, many, many things. So I think that's a lesson that we should absolutely also take to heart because it's so important to, to get that self-care in there. <laughs> Definitely.
1: Yeah, I find myself, for example, when I really love to watch PBS mystery shows. <laughs> and I found myself that anytime I have the TV on, I feel like I need to have my computer in front of me, like I have to also be doing something. So I've learned to trick myself and I watch foreign television mm-hmm. and foreign films with subtitles. So there's no possible way I can do anything else at the same time. <laughs>
0: That's a really, really good one. Yes, it's true, because all the, or you're even just sitting on your phone, it's also the multitasking thing, which is really bad, I think. That You right. need to <laughs> yeah. break that habit. So in terms of parents, what kind of trade-offs might parents have to set their kids up for success?
1: So this can be a tricky one, because we all have to give something up for success and happiness, right? Like I was talking about my students before, they they think they can do it all and they think they won't have to sacrifice in any area. For parents, it's tough because we tend to have a vision for our children that is specific, whether we admit it or not. <laughs> we think, uh, you know, I, I joked because I really wanted my daughter to go to history camp this summer and she said something to the effect of my whole life is history camp because you're a history professor. <laughs> um and I said okay fair like <laughs> so we tend to have these visions that are very specific and we have to let go of those because our children are unique and they are wonderful and wondrous and we need to embrace, you know, what they have going on. Sometimes that could be They need to go to community college and not to a four year university right off the bat. We might need to trade that idea. We also might need to be open to them going to college out of state. Um, You know, One thing when I was working in college counseling that we actually encouraged students to go out of state because oftentimes tiny private schools had better funding and they were a better fit for a lot of our students than staying close to home. So when you are preparing them for school, you're also preparing yourself for a pretty big change, right? We see these, the independence grow incrementally, but it hits you like a ton of bricks (laughs) when you are applying to schools. And it's, you know, as we talked about earlier, things are kind of getting real. So you need to essentially let them grow up, and let them be their own person, even if it doesn't fit the exact vision you had for them. My parents have been really supportive of all the various ideas I've had for my life. (laughs) And, you know, I I got a PhD, they were supportive of that. I moved to England for seven years, they were begrudgingly supportive of that, (laughs) because I was far away. Um, But it made a big difference in my development, and in my enjoyment of my life. And it's helped us be really close, because that's one thing that When I work with parents, I talk about is that when your kids go to college, they're going to get exposed to things that they weren't exposed to before. That's new ideas, new perspectives, et cetera. And that's positive. So they might, you know, I remember it was very emotional for me when I voted differently than my parents for the first time. But my parents didn't make a big deal about it. And neither did I, because they, you know, they realized that I was well informed and I made decisions based on essentially how they had raised me, right? Um, To think for myself and to collect information and talk to different people and come to my own conclusions. So I think I'm saying that because I want parents to know that even if their kids learn new things, they become different people, they're maybe developing outside of the home. And so you're not seeing the changes firsthand. You can still have a close relationship with them, even if their life doesn't follow the path that you wish that it had. It's just different, and it's, and it's what it's what's for them.
0: Mm, mm, mm. I love that. Not easy, but definitely right. <laughs> super, super important, obviously, for our, for our kids. All right, fantastic, Lauren. That was you shared some really, really fantastic information there for parents who are obviously thinking about sending their kids to college and working homeschool moms, I guess, especially. uh, Maybe you can tell us if there's anything you're working on at the moment, or maybe you can share a little bit about your course. And then also, where's the best place for people to connect with you online?
1: Sure. Well, alteringcourse.com is the best place to find me. And then I've got all my socials and everything listed there. That's alteringcourse.com. And I'm really excited about my signature course because I've basically taken everything that i have learned with 20 20 plus years of college prep experience and put it into a course to help homeschooling families and all families prepare for college so the course has 16 modules it's very in-depth and it goes through the skills that i talked about in quite a bit of depth it also has a workbook so you can do the kind of tracking that i was talking about and it also includes a community, which I'm really excited about because when I was putting all this together, my, you know, like I said, my mom was like, I really wish I had had this <laughs> when you were getting ready for college. So the community is something that as you're going through the course, you can talk to other parents and talk to me about sort of questions, things you're learning, wins, struggles, et cetera. So that is the sort of one-stop shop, all-inclusive solution. And I've had parents ask if their kids can also take it. And the answer is yes. It gives you a sort of a family license to the course when you take it. But it is a good thing for parents and their homeschooled students to do together. And I also encourage parents to do some of the work, you know, to to look at their own self-awareness and share that with with their kids. And having these kind of conversations before the student starts college are really worthwhile. That being said, if, you know, you've got a student who's already in their first, second year of university, it's also really useful. So, but, but, you know, my passion is to help parents not feel disconnected from the college preparation process, because maybe you're not a teacher, maybe you're not a guidance counselor, maybe you didn't go to college, maybe you went to college a really long time ago and things have changed. So You Google college prep and a million disparate things come up and they're not specific to what you need. And a lot of them, like I said, are focusing on like your essay or your a standardized test, but that's only a piece of the puzzle. And those things don't work unless you have the essential skills.
0: Sounds like an incredible resource. And obviously I'll link all of those in the show notes. And will it be possible to link the infographic as well? Maybe we can put that in the show notes. Absolutely. Okay. Fantastic. I think it'll sure. be really useful too. I love an infographic. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yes. It's almost <laughs> like something you can tick off as well, you know? It makes it more manageable, I
1: think. Yes. <laughs>
0: All right. Thank you so much for your time today, Lauren. It was a great pleasure to chat to you.
1: This has been wonderful. Thank
0: you. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Please let me know what your greatest takeaway was. You can reach out to me on Instagram at charlottejones247 or on my website at mylittlehomeschool.com or you could even drop me an email at hello at mylittlehomeschool.com. I'd be ever so grateful if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast It will help spread the news about being a working homeschool mom. And in that way, we can build this wonderful, supportive community together. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, take care.